Sending for the word that now leads to the word of God. Acts chapter 1. I want you to go to verse number 6. I want to say this quickly before I take my text. I believe this season is revealing who God's sheep are in this season. The reason I say that, the Bible declares that Jesus said, My sheep know my voice, and another I, they will not follow. Many of us are following the news, and many of us are following our friends, and it's revealing that we're not God's sheep. Many of us need to repent in this season. Acts chapter 1, verse 6 through 8. I'm reading from the New King James Version of the Bible. The Bible declares, therefore, when they had come together, these are his disciples, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Verse number seven said, he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the father has put in his own authority. But watch what verse number eight says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Jesus is speaking of Pentecost. They asked this question. Um, when will you restore the kingdom of Israel? And then Jesus declared, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. I want to minister from this subject on Pentecost Sunday, the rebirth. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord, the rebirth. And, and, and if I could just put a tag to that, I want to talk about the problem before Pentecost, the process of Pentecost, and the power of Pentecost. The resolve of the church has always been great. We need to understand that because since the birth of the church, we face great persecution. We face great provocation. That slander, many have slandered the name of the church, and we even face great pestilence. Yet despite what the church has faced, I think the good news is the church has still yet remained. That, that's good news. We first faced persecution, provocation, and even pestilence, and the church has still remained. I, 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 this is probably why Jesus declared to Peter in Matthew 16, 18, that even the gates of hell would not prevail against the church. The, 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 the church. Therefore, we can rest assured that even in this season of crisis, and even after this season of crisis, the church will remain. Yet, yet, here's the thing about things that remain. The Lord declares that we should strengthen the things that remain. 
This is Revelation 3 and 2. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found your works perfect before God. I want y'all to hear what I just said. We face great persecution. We face great provocation. We are even in a season of great pestilence. And I, and, and I want you to see this. The church has remained, but God even said that which remains is really ready to die. I want y'all to hear what I just said. So, so the church, I know y'all might not like this word this morning, but even on this Pentecost, God is trying to warn us that the church is in a position of dying. If it is not strengthened. In, in other words, hear this, it does not matter if the church prevails, but it's not productive. So, so many churches have prevailed, yet we have not been productive. It, it does not um, matter if the church remains and we're not relevant. So many of us have churches with our names and our pictures on buildings, but we have failed to be relevant to the world. It does not matter if the church survives and we're no longer significant. God says, strengthen that which remains. And here, hear this, it's not enough for the church to remain if we're not somebody's remedy. I hope y'all just caught what I just said. If you're taking notes, I want you to put this in the comment box. The church has to be someone's remedy. Their remedy for hope, their remedy for deliverance, and their remedy for salvation. You wonder why people are tearing up the nation because the church has failed to be someone's remedy. We, we, we need to be the remedy. Nobody ain't looking to the church for answers because the church has failed to be somebody's remedy. This is why the church was necessary at Pentecost. This is why the church must be necessary today because the church should serve as someone's remedy. When, when I'm broken, the first place that I should run to should be the church. And I'm not just talking about the building. I'm talking about the people of God. Yet herein lies the problem with many churches today. This season of pandemic, this season of political unrest, and this season of protest has revealed that some churches were just somebody's routine and not somebody's remedy. It, it was just the place that I just decided to go on Sundays. It was just the place because my homegirl and my homeboy said, invited me. I said, I'll try this thing out. It's just the place that I go because my mama went there when she was born. It's become somebody's routine and not their remedy. This season has revealed that some churches have been the place where people come, but they're not changed. The place where people um, display their talents, but are never transformed. Y'all know how folk can just preach you under the seat, but them, them still some wicked people. They are not yet transformed. The place where people may even serve, but they are never sanctified. What a sad tragedy. Routine, but never their remedy. You probably thought this Pentecost was going to be some glorious little sermon. No, the church has been somebody's routine. And routine of the church was never God's plan for Pentecost. And this is why Jesus declared this in Luke 5, 31 through 32. Luke chapter 5, 31 through 32. It says, Jesus answered and said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician. And those who are sick, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So hear this, when the church is simply someone's routine, it makes God's plan for Pentecost in vain. So we've been shouting, we've been wearing white every, every Pentecost, and God says, you've made Pentecost in vain. 
So the question we must ask ourselves, what is the response of the Lord to the church that has become someone's routine? I believe his response to the church is the same as he declared to Nicodemus in John 3 and 3. He told Nicodemus, you must be born again. And hence, my title this morning, there needs to be a rebirth of the church. There must be a rebirth. It was Pentecost over 2,000 years ago in which the church was born. And I believe God is calling today for this Pentecost for the church, watch this, to be born again. I believe the mandate of the church will remain the same, but the method of the church will have to change. Did y'all catch what I just said? After this season, the mandate is yes to still reach the lost. The mandate is yes to still spread the gospel. The, yet, the mandate is yes to declare the name of the Lord, but the message will change. God will do a new thing, and hence the rebirth of the church. The church needs to be reborn, y'all. I believe God is trying to warn the church in this season. Everybody just going about church, they opening up doors because Trump told you to open up doors. No, God wants to warn the church. It's also his will for the church that after this series of crises, that it won't be church as usual. And I heard um, one of the doctors that's been talking about this virus. He said, when we go back to our normal routine of things, it's going to be a new normal. And so it shall be in the church. Yet the critical issue we must examine as believers is what moved God to rebirth the church? What, what, what moved God to this? As it was at Pentecost, I believe it, it, it was likewise now. So, so uh, we find ourselves in Acts chapter 1. But we need to, what, what Jesus prophesied the day of Pentecost. But before we get there, we have to realize that there was something that laid the foundation for Pentecost. So I know I gave y'all Acts chapter 1, but I want to examine Luke 24. Luke 24 is the last, the last chapter of Luke before we find ourselves in Acts. And I believe it details, watch this, the problem that caused the Lord to birth the church. And before we can understand God's purpose for Pentecost, we must understand the problem. I'm just in my introduction, y'all, but y'all got to stay with me. I just want to speak what, what the Lord has declared. There's always, hear this, if you're taking notes, a problem before there can be a Pentecost. There's always a problem before Pentecost. And I want to outline this problem that we find in Luke chapter 24. In verses 2 through 4a, the Bible says, but they found a stone rolled away. Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it, as it happened, they were greatly perplexed about this. Here's the first thing I want you to know. Before we can have Pentecost, there will always be a dilemma. There will always be a dilemma. There was an empty tomb and it left them perplexed. Yet the good news is, is that God can produce life out of what produces perplexity. If we can be honest with ourselves, many of us are confused. Many of us have been left perplexed by this season, but God says, I need a problem to produce Pentecost. If we can be honest, and here's one, one Greek translation of this word means at a loss. And if we can be honest, many of us are at a loss for words to this pandemic. We're at a loss of clarity due to police brutality. And we're at a loss for direction due to poor political leadership. Many of us are perplexed. For many, both believers and unbelievers, we've faced, been faced with a dilemma. 
Yet where there is no problem, there can be no Pentecost. I'm just trying to lay the foundation for where I'm going this morning. There has to be a dilemma. So hear this. The good news is, is that we're faced with a dilemma in this season. So, so the problem before Pentecost, there was a dilemma. Here's the other thing. Verses 9 through 11 in Luke 24 says, Then they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. And it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary of um, James, and the other with, women with them who were told these things to the apostles. And their words seemed like idle tales. And watch this, they did not believe them. Here's the second thing. If, if we ever want Pentecost, there's going to be a dilemma. And then the second thing, there's always going to be this level of doubt. All right? Even when the words of Jesus are meant to reassure us, many of us find great difficulty in accepting them. I, I know, y'all, listen, since this pandemic, many of us have still been hearing the word of the Lord and we still experience doubt. Y'all been in, in so many prayer calls. Y'all done heard on, been on so many fasts. And the people of God are still facing a level of doubt. But hear this. Before the display at Pentecost, there was doubt. And so it is today. In the midst of disease, in the midst of death, in the midst of di discrimination and social disconnectedness, there has still yet been doubt. It has been hard to believe. If we can be honest with ourselves, it's been hard to believe, y'all. It's been hard to trust his word. I done heard prophets prophesying we coming out of this. I done heard people declaring that all shall be well. I, I done heard that the people of God have victory, but yet the people of God are still faced with doubts. His disciples doubted then, and many of his disciples doubt today. Yet the problem of doubt, watch this, set the stage for Pentecost. So, so we're in a good season, y'all. There's a dilemma. We, we, we know there's an issue. And then the other thing is there's, there's doubt across the land, even amongst unbelievers, but it set the stage for Pentecost. And here's the last thing. This is just my introduction, but I need us to understand this so that we can know we're in a good place. Luke 24, 13 says, now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. In the midst of crisis, you can be a disciple and still be distant. Here's the other thing that God will, will create before Pentecost. There'll be distance. We're, we're, these two were separated from the other disciples, and they found themselves separated from the Savior. If, if we can be honest, it feels, I, I, I've been in church, y'all, but I still feel separated. I, I, I've been on Zoom calls with other believers, but we still feel this level of distance. God says, God can even use distance to set the stage for Pentecost. What has made this season the more difficult to find peace in because it seems like we find ourselves in a place where we're physically distant, emotionally distant, and even spiritually distant. And that has been a problem for many. Yet what may seem like a problem, God actually uses distance as the beginning process for Pentecost. Y'all got to stay with me. It, we must not be dismayed at the problem. There was always a problem before Pentecost. There was a dilemma. There was doubt. And there was distance. But this very problem led them to the process of Pentecost. I, I want us to understand God is orchestrating this. I, I, I need y'all to understand he's using what the enemy meant for evil for our good. But we've got to catch hold of that. So the question we got to ask ourselves is, 
How do we as believers see the manifestation of Pentecost today? Do we all wear white? <laughs> do we all just come and lay on our face? No, no, there's a process to Pentecost. What will it take for us to see the rebirth of the church? I want to answer that question on this morning. It was at the end of Luke 24 when Jesus begins to reveal to himself, the, um, to the disciples, and it was here at the end of a crisis where the process of Pentecost began. I believe the Lord wants to reveal himself to us in this season. And, and if we can take heed to the process of Pentecost, we'll, be, we'll see the rebirth of the church. So let's look at the process, y'all, and I'm going to be out your way. Let's look at verse number 30. I know we started at Acts chapter 1, but I'm in Luke chapter 24, verse 30. At the, at the, at the, the precipice of Pentecost. It says, now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, that he took bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they knew him. In the midst of what looks like death, the Lord desires for the church to return to a place of discipline. The first thing we got to do is return to a place of discipline. What do I mean? In all seasons, not just the good ones, the church must continually sacrifice. The church must continually make supplication, and the church must continually observe the sacraments, a place of discipline. And here lies the problem with many churches. Their discipline has conformed to their circumstances rather than their circumstances conforming to their discipline. Did y'all just hear what I just said? That, that means at the, at the sight of something that confuses me, I stop doing the disciplines that God has called me to. I, I stopped praying. I stopped seeking his face. And God is saying, return to the disciplines. This is why Jesus, when he appears to the disciples, he immediately brings them back to a place of discipline, a communion. He, he said, let us break bread together. Because spiritual disciplines will always direct our attention to our deliverance. The reason why we don't believe that God can deliver us in the midst of what we we're going through is because we fail to remain disciplined. This is why throughout the New Testament, we find these words always exhorted to continue or remain steadfast. This is why Paul declares in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58, he says, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. Because it's one thing to start something, but it's a whole other thing to remain steadfast. Y'all know how to start a diet real good, but can you remain steadfast? Y'all know how to start working out real good, but can you remain steadfast? Y'all know how to stay faithful in the beginning with your boo thing, but can you remain steadfast? God is calling us to return to a place of discipline. We have too many believers and too many churches that started off disciplined and they, they did not remain steadfast. And Paul reminds us in our text that the substance of our work is determined by our steadfastness in our work. Uh, God, and hear this, the revival and rebirth of the church will begin when we return to the, a place of discipline. God ain't going to rebirth nothing and we can't stay disciplined. God, God ain't going to invest in the body of Christ to a people who are not disciplined. And as believers, we have to ask ourselves, is how faithful am I to the disciplines of the faith? And, and I want to say this for our church. This corporate fast should have been a good litmus test for many of us. 
And hear this, your, because your disciplines reveal your desires. It will reveal if you are more committed to your faith or your flesh. Did y'all hear what I just said? Your disciplines will reveal your desires. So fasting ain't just about so you can't have that pepperoni pizza. This fasting ain't just because you wanted to have your little barbecue on Memorial Day or whatever we just, yeah, it was Memorial Day, y'all. But fasting, God wants to see your desires. And many of us, because I had a little craving for this, or I had a little craving for this, God said you, you're more committed to your flesh than you are to your faith. And that means I don't need to hear your testimony. I don't need to know how much time you give to the church. I don't even know, need to know the, the value of the treasures that you give to your church. Just show me your discipline. This is why Paul declared in 1 Corinthians 9, 27. But I discipline my body and bring it under to subjection. Lest when I have preached to others, I might find myself disqualified. So, so God is saying, your level of discipline will determine if you're disqualified. Many churches, I know, even on this day of Pentecost, y'all shouting right now, y'all dancing right now, but you've been disqualified. Because your return to discipline will qualify us for our return to Pentecost. Discipline is required in our process to Pentecost. So I said, the first thing I want you to understand, we, as a church, we got to return to discipline, y'all. And I'm not just talking about the building. I'm talking about the body. Let's look at verse 44 and 45 of Luke 24. It's this process to Pentecost. He said to them, there, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you. All things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And watch what he does. He opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. We may not like this, and this may mess with somebody's um, theology, but it's not enough to believe if you don't know what you believe or why you believe. In, in other words, what I'm saying, we've got to return to sound doctrine. One of the saddest tragedies of the church today is that we know how to do church, but we are void of doctrine. We know how to dance, but we have no doctrine. We know how to shout, but we have no doctrine. And it does not matter that you simply believe, but you need to know what you believe. So, so, because notice this, the enemy ain't concerned with how much you sow. The enemy is not concerned with how much you serve, but the enemy does not care how much you shout if you have no understanding of scriptures. Because watch this, you can't defeat the enemy with what you sow. Ah. Uh, you can't defeat the enemy by how well you serve the pastor. You can't defeat the enemy. And I'm sorry to tell somebody from the Pentecostal church, you can't put the enemy underneath your feet if you have no understanding of scripture. Because the return of Pentecost will require that we return to sound doctrine. We got some folk that's shouting this morning and the enemy don't care because you have no understanding of scripture. This is why, watch this. Before they were indwelled with the spirit at Pentecost, Jesus sat down with them concerning the scriptures. He instructed them by the word. He interpreted the word. So watch this. They can be imparted by the word. And you are only as strong by the word that is imparted in you. And here's the sad commentary. We have a generation of believers that won't hype but no instruction. 
That's why a lot of people don't like this church because it ain't got a lot of hype, but I am going to give you instruction. They want inspiration, but no interpretation. I just want to shout out off the fact of the scripture, but I have no interpretation of that scripture. They want blessing, but no impartation. God, don't cut me. Don't, don't deposit that in me. I don't want all of that. I just want the blessing. The church has more world in them than they do word in them. The church lacks sound doctrine. And watch what Paul admonishes Timothy with these words in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16. If you're taking notes, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16. The Bible says, Paul tells Timothy, take heed of yourself and watch this to the doctrine. And then he says, continue in them for in doing this, you will save both yourself and your hearers. This is why the world, the world don't care nothing about the church. Because we have not taken heed to ourselves or to our doctrine. Many of us look like the world. That means your life and the life of the church is determined by the doctrine you learn. I know some folk that's in big churches, but they dead. Because there's no doctrine. I know some churches that look like they got this form of fellowship and everybody looks happy, but they're dead because there's no doctrine. It does not simply matter what I believe, but it matters, watch this, what I believe. Because hear this, he, why, why, why is Pastor Keith telling us to return to doctrine? Because, sound, because hear this, doctrine can be carnal. It can be man-made. That's Colossians 2.22. Many of us have been manipulated by man-made doctrine. Doctrine can hold you captive. People have sown their retirements out of manipulation of doctrine. And doctrine, watch this, can carry us away from the faith. That's Hebrews 13 and 9. Many of us think we're of the faith, but because of the doctrine that we sit under, we are carried away from the faith. What doctrine you receive can be deadly. Somebody needs to put that in the comment box. What doctrine I receive can be deadly. And here, I want to I wanna just share this. Y'all got to be careful with a lot of these charismatic preachers because we get caught up in more of their personality rather than their proclamation. Did y'all hear what I just said? People in the midst of personality can make proclamations sound like God. But y'all so caught up in their personality. Ooh, I just love how my pastor dress. I love how my pastor live. I love how my pastor drive. I just love their personality. And you're fooled by her. And then the Bible says that, 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 that these flattering words. And then we don't realize what their proclamation is. And this is why the Lord wants us to return to sound doctrine. If we want to return to Pentecost, then we must spend more time searching the scriptures than shouting at misinterpreted, misused, and the manipulation of, of the scriptures. And I love this. I tell my church this all the time. That there's, there's a wonderful text in Acts chapter 17, verse 11. Acts chapter 17, verse 11. And this is what the Bible says. And the people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica. And they listened eagerly to Paul's message. They searched the scriptures, watch this, day after day to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth. Many of us listen to a word and we receive it with eagerness. But do we search the scriptures day after day 
to ensure that I'm receiving sound doctrine because we will never return to Pentecost of Acts until we return to the authenticity of Scripture, sound doctrine. So I said, we've got to return um, to, to this place of doctrine. We, we've got to, and I said in the beginning, we've got to return to this place of discipline. And hear this, look at verse 52 and 53 of Luke 24, and I'm going to be out your way. The Bible says, and they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen. The book of Luke concludes with the disciples in worship, not in a posture of request, but in a posture of reverence. Because where there is no praise for God, there can be no Pentecost. Y'all got to stay with me. And herein lies the problem with many believers in churches. We continually offer the Lord transactional worship. The reason why, 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 why Pentecost has not really hit the church like it should is because we offer him transactional worship. What do I mean? We praise him only if he will produce. Well, we, and matter of fact, we praise him with the intent that God, I'm only doing it so that you might produce. We worship so that he might fulfill our wants. We don't come in with a posture of worship for anything else but God, I'm just doing it because they told me if blessings go up, that if praises go up, blessings come down. And I'm not saying that God is not in the business of blessing his people, but God is not in the business of being bargained by your worship. And many of us come into the church trying to bargain with God with our worship. I, I, they, they, they told me if I just worship, then all would be well. And God is tired of our transactional worship. The praise team sound good, but it's transactional. The musicians sound good, but it's transactional. God is looking like, 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 like my prayers for this church, that we find ourselves in intimacy and in worship. Hear this. So the question you got to ask yourself is when is the, the last time you offered God worship with no strings attached? When, when, when have you come before him with no strings attached? God is looking for people that will worship the giver more than the gifts. And here's the real gift that I get to worship him. Many of us are worshiping him as a result of trying to get the gifts. And God is saying, I'm the real gift. This is why Jesus declared this in John 4, 23 through 24. But the hour is coming and now has come when the true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. Yeah. The Bible says he's seeking those to worship. So, so that means God, God ain't finding a whole bunch of people that's worshiping them like that. And maybe that's why there's no Pentecost. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. So God is looking for his church and his disciples to offer him true devotion. God has had me on this thing for quite some time. If, if y'all been listening to my messages uh, intertwined throughout all of this pandemic and where we've been, I've been trying to call the church back to a place of devotion. And I'm not me, but God is. So, so because Pentecost is always, watch this, preceded by authentic worship. All right, devotion. So the question that we have to ask ourselves as a church is, can we worship without an agenda? Ah, can we worship him without an agenda? Ah, Sam, we got to set up just a worship night where we just worship him without an agenda. Can we worship him? Watch this void of asking. 
God is looking for that kind of worship. Can we worship him? And notice this, with our attention fully on him. Y'all know why y'all be in worship. You worry about what's on the crock pot. You worry about what you got to do when you get home. You, gotta, you worry about, ooh, is the beach and the weather going to be all good? And God is saying, can you worship with your full attention on me? Worship in spirit and in truth. And here, maybe the reason that the Lord has yet to respond to our current crisis, hear this, because our lack of worship has hindered our current cries. Did y'all hear what I just said? The reason that the Lord has failed to respond to this current crisis is maybe because our lack of true worship has hindered our current crash. This is why Jesus declared in John 9, 31b, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears him. That means the authenticity of your reverence will determine how the Lord responds to our request. God, God said, it's not that I don't want to respond to your request, but you got so much stuff that's hindering my ability to hear you. Ah, I've got so much stuff that's blocking me from worshiping him that it's also blocking God from hearing me. Ah, even more, our process to Pentecost requires devotion. I'm, I'm going to be out your way, y'all. And when the church can go through the process of Pentecost, then the church will find themselves at the precipice or at the door of Pentecost, the place of the rebirth of this church. This is why we got these shirts on, y'all. It ain't just so we could just look cute and be on one accord with shirts. No, God is trying to rebirth the church. The demand on the church this day is to return to discipline. I'm, 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 my prayers is that somebody who, who was the Bible says, don't be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. But not only that, many of us are, are tossed to and, to and fro by, by the issues of life. And God is saying, return to a place of discipline. Can you worship and pray to him even when things ain't going well? Can you, can you keep your mind on him even when everyone else is going away? God says return to a place of discipline. Can we return to doctrine, y'all, to sound doctrine? Stop letting folk take all your money because you do not know doctrine. Ah, stop letting you feel guilty when you go on a cruise one day out of the year and miss church because you do not know doctrine. Return to doctrine and you'll stop having these fools and these clowns manipulate you with scripture. And then can we return to a place of devotion? I, my prayers, I, I know we got all this going on, but listen, y'all, we come to church only for a half an hour, an hour and a half. Can it be a place of worship where our full attention is on God, where we worship without asking, where, where we make sure that we worship without an agenda? God is saying return to that place. And if we can do all of that, I want you to understand. The Bible says in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he says, and then you shall receive power. I, I'm in Acts chapter 1, verse 8 now. If we can do all of that, God says you'll return to the place of dunamis. Dunamis is the Greek word for power. But here's the good news about this word dunamis. It's not simply power, but it's power with authority. The church lacks power because the church has not really seen the day of Pentecost. And God is saying, 
I need to return power to my church. The place where we can pray. And we're wondering why we're praying and ain't nothing changing. We're we praying and police still killing black folk. We're we praying and we're still falling sick to sickness and every disease. We're praying and we're not receiving breakthrough. We're praying and we get an emotional high and we think that all is well and then we walk out and reality hits us because the church has no dunamis. And God says, I want to return dunamis to you. Not just power, but power with authority. Well, I can tell this mountain, be thou removed, and the mountain is removed. When I can say, tell this sickness to come out of somebody and that sickness will have to flee. When I can cast out devils of people. The church does not have dunamis. We have a form of godliness, but no dunamis. We need the rebirth of the church because the church needs the return of power. We, 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 we don't have power, y'all. When, 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 when Peter could walk by and his very shadow would heal people. My, my presence in somebody's life should tell them I shouldn't loot this story. My, 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 my presence around somebody should say that there's something on this man that, that tells me that I don't need to hate somebody for the color of their skin. Somebody put in the comment box, the church needs dunamis. That's power. The church cannot be the remedy that the world needs because the, the world needs it, it because the church is void of power. The reason why folk ain't coming to the church is because the church ain't got no power. Y'all, y'all, here, here's the sad thing to me. So Atlanta is rioting. They, 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 they're burning the CNN building. They, 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 they're, they're damaging police cars. And guess who they call on the news conference? T.I. and Killer Mike. They're calling rappers, but they're not calling pastors because the church has no power. What they're saying is, is that, that rappers have more authority than the church. They're calling folk that are civil rights activists, but not of the church because the church has no power. We got big churches, y'all, but where is the church being called upon in a time of crisis? Everybody got flyers about Pentecost, but is there power in your church? God says, I want to return power to the church. Jesus prophesied this in Acts 1 and 8, and I prophesied this today to believers that have recognized the problem before Pentecost. Here's the good news. There was a dilemma. We in a dilemma, y'all. There, there was doubt. We, we got doubt, y'all. This pastor don't even know, should I send my kids back to daycare? Or should I not? Not because there's even this level of doubt amongst the body of Christ. And then there's distance. I want to embrace other believers. I want to hug on y'all. I, I want to seek for God, but God even seems far at times. And God says, that even which was in Luke 24 laid the foundation for Pentecost. And God's saying, I just need you to return to discipline. I need you to return to sound doctrine. The world ain't going to listen to you because you got this preacher over here saying, the reason why you're sick is because you don't tithe. And you don't realize that it's not sound doctrine. The reason that you curse is because you don't tithe. And you do not realize that it's not sound doctrine. So God says, return to sound doctrine. 
And then God says, return to a place of devotion, and I'll return dunamis unto you. I pray, God, that, that I don't know what other churches are doing. I don't, I don't know if people shouting because they think that fire is going to fall from heaven on today. No, God, we're just going to return to you. You're not asking us to, to, to not even speak in tongues, God, but you're asking us to return to this place so you can return to us. Let us pray. Father, we thank you. God, we thank you for Pentecost. We thank you, God, that it was a place of power. God, you declared to this church, to this generation of believers, that greater works shall we do. God, we're waiting on the greater works. God, as people were healed by Peter's shadow, God, God, we've yet to see those type of greater works. God, God, as many as thousands would come unto your God. God, we, we're, we're waiting to see it, God, but we believe you're going to do it. After this crisis, I believe thousands will return, but it will be first when the church returns to you. Help us, God, return to a place of discipline. Forgive me, Lord. God, because even in, in all that I see on the news, God, it made it difficult to pray. It made it difficult to fast. But God, even as a corporate fast as this church, it was our commitment to return to discipline. And God, we pray, God, that this church always be a church of sound doctrine. We ain't got to return to something that we already been in, God. God, will remain faithful to it, God. But my prayer is for many churches, God, that have been led away. They've gone astray. They started off well, God, but they failed to remain steadfast. I pray for that pastor that's trying to preach a word that is manipulated by Scripture. I pray, God, for that evangelist that's going out trying to line their pockets by misinterpreting Scripture. God, I pray for the people who are receiving Scripture eagerly without searching the Scriptures. God, help us return to sound doctrine. And God, we pray, God, that we return to a place of devotion. God, I'm going to keep preaching that until 2020 is over. God, I'm going to preach it as long as you call me to be a pastor. That we worship you, God, with no agenda. We worship you, God, without asking. And we worship you, God, with our attention fully set on you. True worship, God. And God, when we can worship you, God, then you'll hear our cries. And God, now return dunamis to the church. Not just power, but power with authority. Well, people know, God, when you have a certain badge or you have certain credentials, people know you have authority. God, the reason, God, that the world ain't calling on us in this time of crisis is because you stripped the church of its authority. And God, we pray, God, that you would turn us to a place of dunamis. We don't need rappers, God, but we need the church. God, we don't need a civil rights activist. God, but we need the church. God, send the church, we pray, and we'll be it, God. We'll go. Send us, we'll go. We thank you, we love you, and adore you. Thank you, God, for Pentecost, we pray. And it's in Jesus' name.